Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start, Start saving, saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. This week's Law and Order Marathon winner is Tony Gentry of Chicago, Illinois. Tony will get a marathon decal showing he watched 26.2 hours of his favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at lawandorderpodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoie and Ronald Young Jr. And these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Law and order, law and order, law and order. It's no ordinary police procedural, baby. It's the FNOG of police procedures, baby. Law and order, law and order, law and order, law and order. These are their stories, these are their stories. Welcome to These Are Their Stories, the podcast about Network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. And today we're looking at Special Victims Unit, Season 16, Episode 6, Glasgow Man's Wrath. Tonight, we're going to Inwood Hill Park. Glasgow Man will meet us there and take us to his mansion. I don't want to. Joining me to do that is true crime author and host of Crime Writers On and Netflix's You Can't Make This Up podcast, Rebecca Lavoie. Hello, Rebecca. Just treat me like a man, Kevin. I will treat you like whatever, I don't know, a man. <laughs> There's no way in 2021 to respond to that. It's a re- an in a way that's not going it's going it's to get me killed on Twitter. <laughs> Rounding out our panel is our special guest from The Solvable Podcast. Our returning guest, Ronald Young Jr. Ronald! Hello, just treat me like Rebecca, Kevin. (laughs) You don't want that. No, no. You don't want that. (laughs) Hey, so, Ronald, you you appeared earlier, well, I guess less than a year ago, on our episode on SVU uh, Season 8, Starved, and then you did something that no one has ever done. You contacted us... And asked if we wanted to have you back. <laughs> and usually we're begging the hell out of people to come on. And we're like, you want to come back? <laughs> so let me let me just start off by saying I really enjoyed being on this show. There's a couple things I like. I like talking. I like watching mm-hmm. Law and Order SVU. And I like jokes. And I feel like mm. these three things perfectly, this, this podcast perfectly marries those three things. So why wouldn't I want to come back? Well, you've actually had a very fantastic year since then. You got the... These are their stories boost, right? Mm, that, that's why. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yep. We, it's, yep. You know, it's all because of us. Correct. Don't, don't credit your talent. Don't credit your hustle. It's us. Well, you just landed this great hosting gig on the podcast Solvable. And I think it's really amazing that you think any of this, and I'm gesturing wildly into the air at everything. Our closet? <laughs> that, no, that the world. That any of this is solvable. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so Solvable is, it's a Pushkin podcast. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell's company. You know, I got to do a name drop. Ooh. There, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like an anvil, yeah, that one. Absolutely. 10,000 uh, anvils. <laughs> well, he actually used to host the show, um, and I, I love telling people that I actually replaced him as host. So, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. you can do with that at, uh, what you will. But the main focus of the show is that it's solutions-based journalism. And what we're doing is we talk with luminaries and people working in whatever areas of expertise that they may have about problems that are solvable. So like one of our earliest episodes that I, I hosted was with uh, Bill McKibben and talking about uh, solving our reliance on fossil fuels and what we can do. But we've done we've had a lot of fun ones. We've done one um, talking about robotics with Dr. Ayanna Howard. Uh, we did want we did a three part series on the body where we talked about solving food addiction. We talked about um uh, solving how, how much people hate their bodies. 
health at every size. And uh, we got an exciting one coming up, um, which, uh, you know, I'm happy to break here, but make sure if everyone's subscribed to Solvable, there's one we're <laughs> talking to Ben Kirby, who wrote the book Preachers and Sneakers. And he has an Instagram account called Preachers and Sneakers, where he, he literally just shames mega church pastors based on the price of their shoes on the open market. So you'll have a picture of, like, <laughs> you'll have a picture of TD Jakes and next to it will be his shoes. And it'll be like, these shoes cost $750. And that's it. Yes. That's the whole post. And he wrote a book about it. Yeah. So we had a conversation <laughs> with him. So uh, it's a very fun show to do. And it's it's good because we we look at the world very in an optimistic light. So I think that's uh, nice. that's really what draws me to doing that job. Ronald, of all the franchises, which two cops are your favorite detective team? Favorite law and order detective team. Uh, I think uh, I'm fairly certain I answered this before, and I'm pretty sure it's still Finn and Munch. Finn and Munch are my favorite yeah. ones. I know they're the B team in a lot of episodes, but their combination, um, I think in terms of the way they talked to suspects and everyone, I was like, if I had to pick role model cops, I think of any television show, I think they were the closest to like being good enough to balance each other out as well as get the job done. And of course, who doesn't like a good, you know, Finn being the audience foil, turning to the audience and stating exactly what's going on. Clear enough for all of us to now know. You mean this guy likes to diddle kids in his spare time? Like, thank you, Finn. Now we all know what this kid likes to do in his spare time. This guy likes to his spare time. <laughs> and Ronald, who's your favorite prosecutorial team? Favorite law and order district attorney prosecutorial team. I'm still partial to uh, Casey Novak. Um, not for anything particular, except for I like the ludicrous episode in which he says he may says a lie. And, it, you know, he's not the greatest actor. So he says a lie. And he also says, yeah, how do you like that, Miss Novak? And <laughs> it just it stuck in my head and I particularly like her a little more than the others but that one just always sticks in my head and so I'm always like ha, ha, how do you like that Miss Novak every time so Casey Novak <laughs> alright let's take a look at the first half of this episode SVU season 16 episode 6 Glasgow Man's Wrath well it's just a typical mean girl sleepover pranking the younger sister by dumping her from her bed Daring her to go in the park after dark and leaving her to be captured by a supernatural man beast with a knife. <laughs> the finch flew away when he came out of the woods. Okay, can you can you tell me about him? No, not the bird, the man. Yes, of course. He was huge, hulking, hunched over the girl's body like a turkey vulture. I yelled for him to shoot, and he took off into the woods. Do you think you could give his description to a sketch artist? I can do better than that. I took photographs. The young. Multiple stab victim is nine-year-old Zoe Harris. She's in the hospital, but her 14-year-old sister Mia and her friend Perry Gilbert are still missing. After a quick stop by SVU at Perry's apartment to mommy shame, Olivia presses Zoe for more information on why they went into the woods at night. She says they were chased by Glasgow Man, a hulking figure with a scar and an eye patch who matches the photo of the guy in the park. Carisi and Rollins decide now, now, Hours later would be a good time to search the park for the girls. <laughs> they follow a trail to a cave and are confronted by sloth from the Goonies. <laughs> to, to subdue him, NYPD tasers him because he's white. <laughs> <laughs> and he changed his gun, too. He actually will intentionally change his gun. All right, I'll shut up. He really did. <laughs> The suspect is Charlie Dorsey, a parolee off his meds and living in the park. He claims he found the bleeding Zoe and carried her out of the woods. <laughs> yeah. She says, he says, we want him alive. <laughs> okay. Shit. This homeless cave dweller is so valuable. I've never seen that before. I'm sorry. I know you have the script, but he literally ch he changed his gun. I looked at him do it i was like oh oh this one's gotta make it this one's oh, gotta make it. <laughs> when i accidentally went for my real gun i meant to go for the taser which has never happened in the history <laughs> never <laughs> Not once. he kept them both on the same side yeah. Yeah. Said, Let's go. oh fuck uh, way to concentrate flynn all right uh, he <laughs> Just keep going. Right. Power through it. Power th 
He claims he found the bleeding Zoe and carried her out of the woods to save her. (laughs) (laughs) He also says he found a video camera which should prove he didn't hurt her. Charlie takes Rollins and Carisi back to his cave where Amanda finds a bloody knife. Well, when your daughters don't come home from a sleepover, do you immediately go to the hospital? No. (laughs) (laughs) Our daughter, Zoe, um, you found her. Is this her? Uh, It it could be. Oh, my God. Is Mia with her? Who's Mia? Her big sister. Is she her, too? Um, Oh, God. Okay, we need to see Zoe now. Off to the morgue next, everybody. Uh, uh, let's find her. She's out here somewhere. We got like we got a process of elimination. This Jesus. What if we go to the diner? Did you go, like first floor, second floor, third floor, just asking random people. Friendlies. Have you seen this girl with the glasses? She's in here somewhere. It's something about reverse concentric circles when searching. Maybe that's, that's right. just where they ended up. <laughs> reverse concentric. <laughs> oh. oh. Well, but not wanting to be found, the girls have this ingenious way to keep from being tracked. They place their phones underneath the shavings at the bottom of a hamster cage. Genius. It's Perry's phone. And there's, there's two more in here. No, these have got to be Mia and Zoe's. No. I got an idea. Why not just turn them off? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even... Yo, kids, man, I'm telling you, you know what? You, we all have been that, that... We all have those kids that are in our grade when we were young that would always mm. just say, hey, you know, even if they turned their phone off, they can track it. So you got to put it underneath a metal in an old shoe in the back of your closet. And that's the only way they'll be able to not check it. And I feel like this this is what that felt like to me. Ronald, are you ever going to take that phone after it's been underneath all that wet hamster <laughs> piss and put it to your face again? No, I'm done with that phone. No, thank you. Yes. <laughs> well, Liv gets one day off. Yeah. And she wants to spend it with Noah. Does she? And if, well, <laughs> she says she wants to now because Noah doesn't talk. Yeah. Right. And, and so Amaro ruins everything. <gasps> yeah. Noah's a good boy. Benson. Okay. You're heading to their apartment? Yeah, I, I've got to call my sitter. Um, Does she really want the day off when she gets pissed at them later for not calling her earlier? Correct. To come in on this she should call me immediately. Uh, yes. Literally, like, like girls are missing from a sleepover, and she's like, you should have called me immediately, because I don't want to spend another fucking minute with this <laughs> demon child. Yes. <laughs> she's like, I've been on... Why was it so easy for her, to li- for her to leave him? Like, it just seems like she'd be like, yo, there's other people there, y'all got this. Like, unless it's, a, like they said, it was an a- active search for a child, and you need me to, like, go and act search for the child but you need me to just come do what like captain like lieutenant duties or whatever she is is at this point you know i've been doing 45 minutes of no he's a good boy and i'm fucking done with this now (laughs) what did i sign up for i thought i'd have more to talk about being with noah alone is like being stabler's partner right you're fine son you're fine yes (laughs) love that comparison So Nick and Amanda go to Perry's place, and Mom is in the hallway getting her firearm kink on, right? Ugh. Put the gun down. I'll do anything you say. Open the door. I'll do anything you say. Hands up. Step away from the door, NYPD. What the hell? I'm on the job. State police. And I freaking live here. We were just fooling around. And so the two of them hear gun, (laughs) and so both Nick and Amanda, like, pull out their sidearms, but Danny Pino, the actor, is not holding a pistol. He is pointing a finger and thumb. <laughs> like a gun. Hold on. You think I'm joking. Hold on. Hold on, Rebecca. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. All right. Let's see if we can get this. Wow. Wow. Come on, NBC. Times can be that tough. It's going pew, 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 pew. But do you think they're going to CGI that later? No, I don't. I think it's like one of those. Rehearsal like, cuts that they yeah. just accidentally used in the final cut. It's like, who took my gun? <laughs> Five. It's, okay, you take it from the top. Going back to one. They got to make a lot of episodes of this show very fast. So we can. Wow. <laughs> He's just like, hold it. Okay, stick them up. Stick them up. But wait, you know, I, I was surprised that we didn't spend more time talking about the uh, the gun kink because I, I when it happened, I remember as it happened, they were like, oh, whoa, 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 we just playing. I'm like, that 
it seems like on a show about sex crimes, there'd be mm. like another line or another bit of exposition for them to be like, hey, this mom gets her rocks off. Or like, where was oh, where was Finn in this moment to be like, <laughs> he loved this it. lady gets her rocks off by playing with guns. You know why? Ron, <laughs> they were white. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have a couple of, hey, it's that girls. Hey, it's that girl. Can you tell me the name of the young actress playing Mia? We ran. And I tried to drag Zoe, but she tripped and fell, and Perry said he was right behind us, so I just kept running. That was Mina Sunwall. Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, She is currently on DC's Legends of Tomorrow and is about to start season three of Netflix's high-budget remake of the series Lost in Space. Wow, good for her. Uh, Which, again, is a bunch of white people just going around space. So, again, (laughs) I realize... You made a choice. (laughs) That's why you're lost. (laughs) That's <laughs> we can do it. Uh, okay. Production has been delayed because of, you know, everything in the world. Uh, but in an interview, she said, or she was asked, what is the first thing that she does in the morning? And she says, she tries her best to find her glasses. <laughs> same as me. Yeah. Same. Mia, same. But I think she means, by glasses, she means hash pipe. <laughs> <laughs> that makes more sense. It's like, don't you just put your glasses on the nightstand when you go to sleep? Is yeah, but sometimes they fall off, and then you're completely blind. I mean, Why would they like fall old, off in the middle of the night? Old lady problems, man. Oh, old geez. lady problems. Uh, she's like 20 now, so she doesn't have those old lady yeah, problems. Yeah, that's true. Do you recognize the actress playing her mom? Why didn't you call me? You know your sister doesn't think yeah, straight yeah, all the can, time. Can we, just, can we talk outside, please? I am not leaving my daughter. Joan. That actress and photocopy of a photocopy of Kathy Lee Gifford is <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie Kurtzuba. Uh, she played Robert De Niro's wife, Irene, in The Irishman. Congratulations. So you got to ah. see her sitting in the back seat of a car for seven hours while they drove across country to Ray Romano's daughter's wedding. Yep. And she was smoking next to Catherine Narducci, who hit Logan on the head with a frying pan before yep. cutting off her husband's dick. Yep. I'm just bringing Whoa. it all back around. Whoa. <laughs> we won't see her until later, but do you know the actress who's playing the juvenile judge, Ruth Linden? All right. I think we've heard enough. Thank you, Counselor Cox. Perry, you may step down. She looked familiar, and I, I I remember looking at her being like, do I just know you because you've been a judge on this show several times, or do I know you know you? So, hit me. Could be both. Uh, her name is Jane Hootieshell, 14 Law & Order Universe appearances, 10 as this character. She won a Tony Award in 2016 as Deirdre in the play The Humans, and will reprise that role later this year in the film adaptation. Good for her. She is currently in Rebecca's favorite new comedy series. Yeah? She's in Only Murders in the Building as Bunny, the head of the whatever condo association. condo association. I think I saw her. That (laughs) bitch. I love her. Uh, We have a Hey, It's That Guy. Hey, it's that guy. Did you pick up on who was the babysitter, Leslie Connolly? Okay. Loved him. (laughs) I have thoughts about the babysitter. He looked familiar. But I didn't know who he was. In the story, Glasgow Man goes over the bridge and then up and down the river. That's this lizard's tail. That's Griffin Matthews. He's had roles in Dear White People and Ballers, but you'll probably remember him most recently as Shane, the sassy gay co-worker of Kelly Cuoco in The Flight Attendant. Yes! Yes! That's where I remember him from. Yes. Okay. So about 15 years ago, Griffin visited Uganda, and he met some children, and he started a charity called Uganda Project to raise money for their education. And then when the economy in the U.S. tanked and the donations dried up, he and a friend wrote a musical about the charity, which raises money for the charity. Uh-huh. You know, I think there might be a song is like, sorry, but we're broke. <laughs> Genius. Yeah. We ain't got it. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, who's playing me as attorney? Stephen Roth. The detectives need to know whose idea this whole thing was. That's Tony Campisi, 14 Law and Order Universe appearances. He's best known as the former Mr. Kathy Bates. Ooh, mm. in real life? In real life, yes. Wow. Oh, good for him. Good for her. Good for them. Well, yeah, he good just... for her for getting rid of him if she wanted to. Good for everyone. Congratulations on your divorce, guys. Do whatever you guys choose. Good for that. <laughs> Well, he doesn't usually get out much. He's usually tied to the bed with his ankle smashed by a sledgehammer. Yikes. So Zoe's description of Glasgow Man is a dead ringer for Charlie. Hmm. So he busts out of the cave like the Kool-Aid Man. (laughs) And so they tase him in typical police style, and they can't shut the taser off. It's not going down. Stop it! Turn the damn thing off! 
<laughs> Wait, I know I keep going back to this, but I just I'm just so obsessed with the fact that he had a gun out and he was ready to shoot. He had a gun out and he was ready to shoot. And someone was like, hey, we want him alive, OK? Whoa, 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 whoa. We need him alive. And he switched weapons. I'm just yes. I'm stuck oh, okay. on that. I'm just stuck. You there. know why? Because think about the implication here. He clearly wasn't armed. He was literally holding a stick yeah. Yeah. and banging it on a rock. Yeah. Dude pulls out his gun and Rollins says, whoa, <laughs> we want him alive. Unlike all the other people who are carrying yeah, sticks. Yeah, it's fine. Whatever. Who we don't give a shit about <laughs> killing. This one. This one's got to be. This one. <laughs> Sheriff, we need to take him back alive. <laughs> this guy is important. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Everybody, everybody, put your fingers away. <laughs> pew, 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 pew. I would argue with as many cadets and cops there, they didn't even need a taser. I'm like. Can we please talk about those fucking hats that those cadets were wearing? What is going on with the police cadet school? They look like, like they're in Boy Scouts? They got to know they're not one of us. They got to know. <laughs> so during his interrogation, Charlie is unmedicated, and he says... He's on their watch list because he saw a plane go down, the, the plane, go down in the Hudson River, and there was a missile, and there was a cover-up, and they found something finally for fans who missed Munch. They know that, I know that the plan is to erase it from my memory, first using the meds, and then using the lasers on these little cellular phones that everybody has, but I will not forget. I want to point out that this guy, and Kevin, you might need to hit me with his name, but I thought he was like probably some of the strongest SVU acting I've seen in a while, you know, because with SVU, you have the three levels of acting. You have the series regulars acting who just are just phoning it in at this point, but good enough to be serviceable. You have the over actors that are guest actors that come in with bit parts and whatever. And then every now and then you'll just get a thespian in there that just gets it, that just knows their role, gets it and locks it in. And this guy did a very very good job. Like, I, I really don't have any jokes there, except that he did a good no, job. No, I, I agree. I mean, this was my note, that Law and Order is kind of hit or miss mm. when they portray mentally ill characters. Yes, right? correct. We just yes. had on on the podcast this beautiful episode with uh, performance by Dennis O'Hare. Mm-hmm. Mr. Lowe, please. What? You look like a lion. Don't do that, or I have to leave. Mr. Smith, sit down. And... Other times the dialogue, like he's crazy, he's crazy, and they kind of play it for laughs. I I really like Charlie, mm-hmm. this character. Yep. Um, he seems a little bit sweet. Mm-hmm. I will I will need my eye patch back for that, though. Charlie, I think we can accommodate that. Oh, good. Do you see this? Don't threaten me with medication. Just treat me like a man. But I think the dialogue, by the dialogue they give these characters is designed to be gibberish, right? Yes. Do you think that it's in the writing or is it just, it's up to the performer to make it work, to make it believable? Uh, because I don't really think they get a lot of help from the script. You don't? <laughs> I think it's both, honestly, because, I mean, my, my thing is like he, I'm thinking about the words he was saying and I think there's something to be said about the way in which he was delivering it that really made me, that you're right, that like there there's a sweetness about him where I was just like, this is a guy who doesn't want to be stuck on his medication, who clearly has had the system fail him in some way. And that's why he's out here. And even when you go into his actual little abode, I'm sitting there and the way he has it set up, he's like third bag on the left. Like he has it organized in a way that works for him. You know what I mean? So clearly he's like built a life that is good for himself because the system has failed him in some ways. And that's why he's homeless. But I got all of that out of the way he delivered it. So I, I, for me, it was the performance in this case. I agree. I wrote in my notes, quote, Charlie Dorsey is a delight. His home is, quote, cozy AF. Yeah. And I thought that whole thing with the eye patch, A, yes. makes total sense, yes. by the way, because yes. he has one eye kept in the dark so that when you walk into a dark room, it's acclimated and he has one eye uncovered. So when he's out in the bright, he's actually, I was wow, like, wow, that actually does make a lot of sense like, though, should, you say should, it. Should we do that? It actually <laughs> makes a tremendous <laughs> amount of sense. Have we been doing this all wrong? 
Why are we doing this all wrong? Your pupils do not need to dilate. Exactly. If you just have one set on day and one set on night. He's basically invented like the like mad person's homeless transition lenses situation. Somebody get me Warby Parker on the phone. It's Pretty incredibly much. smart. No, I thought it was lovely. And and as I alluded to in the beginning, the just treat me my, like a man line, it was actually incredibly moving, I yeah. thought. For SVU. I mean, it's a scale. I mean, it's not like incredibly <laughs> moving. It's not like Shirley MacLaine moving, but it's very moving for SVU. I think it was Carisi that said this line. Uh, he gets released two years ago, meets once with this PO, and then goes off the grid until today. There's only a matter of time. I mean, you can't unscrew the top of a salt shaker and then be surprised when it spills all over the table. All right. <laughs> and I don't know. I was just like, this is such a heavy-handed, uh, heavy-handed metaphor. And where is Finn? Where's Finn? I don't know if he just wasn't available for this episode, but I don't want Carisi uh, delivering those lines. I want that. That's a Finn line, if anything. That's right. Yeah, they're like upset that they bring in Olivia on her day off. Where's Finn? Yeah, he's gone like for a week. Yeah, looks like someone took an actual vacation. Clearly, (laughs) (laughs) I left my pager in my desk (laughs) underneath a bunch of pissed-on hamster shavings. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start Start saving saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. All right, let's take a look at the second half of this episode. Well, the Blair Witch video shows the girls willingly went to the park in search of Glasgow Man. It's the night after Halloween, and midnight approaches. Our mission is about to commence. Where's the map? Where's the map? Your sister probably lost it. I did not. Mia took it. I did not. Zoe says Perry had a map which would take them to Glasgow Man's mansion. If Glasgow Man likes you, you can come live with him there. And there are no rules. You don't have to go to school. You can play with a monkey named Bubbles, <laughs> drink Jesus, Jesus juice, and have Glasgow Man's lawyers pay your parents for their silence. Oh, <laughs> <Jesus> no. <laughs> she says the map came from Perry's babysitter, Leslie. He tells the detectives that Glasgow Man is his own fictional creation based on Charlie, and all the scary stories he's told the girls are the basis for his new comic book. I'm sorry, graphic novel. <laughs> he says the inspiration for the mansion is a gatehouse in Untermeyer Park, and nobody gives a shit where that actually is. When they get there, though, Amaro spots a dead cat, and they find Mia and Perry unconscious and bleeding. At the hospital, the girls say Glasgow Man chased them into the woods, grabbed Zoe, and stabbed her. When they shouted to stop him, he captured them, walked them around the woods for hours, brought them to the gatehouse, killed the cat, and only had time for a couple of quick stabs before being scared off by helicopters. But the doctor says Perry's wounds are superficial and fresh. Perry identifies Charlie as Glasgow Man, but he was in custody when the girl said this all happened. After some stern looks from Benson, Mia admits stabbing Zoe was her friend's idea. A clearly delusional Perry says Glasgow Man demanded innocent blood, In juvenile court, she explains her Glasgow man-inspired actions of stabbing Zoe, killing the cat, and cutting her own arms. Instead of sending them to jail, the judge releases Mia to her mother and sends Perry to a psychiatric facility. But on the way out, Carisi notices the girl secretly interlocking pinkies as if to say, We got away with it, bitch. (laughs) So I'm going to say I'm very troubled by the choice of babysitters. (laughs) Okay. so (laughs) He seemed fine. I mean, they were. I mean, here's my whole thing. So I have kids, right? Yeah. If they're alive at five, the babysitter's fine. That's how I've always thought about it. Alive at five is your bar? (laughs) But Leslie seemed creative. Yeah. I mean, Leslie was giving them inspiration. He, He could do art. He had an interesting, uh, very like large square footage apartment. I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of good stuff to say about this guy to me. I feel like they use any excuse they can to violate this black man's civil liberties as they yes. barge <laughs> into his apartment. I don't know where they are. Rip this place apart until we find it. No, 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 please, 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 no, please, please, don't, don't. 
Is this it? Is this the map? Okay, okay, here. Barge into his apartment, mess up all his stuff, threaten him, <laughs> and don't even offer him, don't even detain him, don't even tell him that he has a right to a lawyer, no rights, anything like that. Illegally detain him, coerce information out of him, and then he disappears for the rest of the episode. Yes disappears we don't ever hear about this babysitter again who probably at this point just just from us knowing and you guys all being svu experts knowing that when you introduce a character at this point in the show they typically did it so it's like yes. this mm. is a red herring if i've ever seen one because i'm like okay so obviously this black man's in on it they're like nope he's just we just wanted to show you that the cops still like to take your civil liberties away that's that's how <laughs> that's i read right. that entire situation so he all of a sudden disappears and then we never hear from him again and you know what they didn't say in that scene what we need him alive <laughs> Not once, it was optional <laughs> Not once. as a matter of fact you had three cops in there and they just like yeah we're gonna trash your apartment we hate you Rawr! so they took better care of the homeless white guy's cage yes yes than they did the black babysitter slash graphic artist's apartment Correct. yes they started throwing stuff around they learned charlie's language yes they took the time to be like this bag is his pantry this floor is actually linoleum when it's just fucking moss <laughs> they go yes. to leslie's apartment this creative <laughs> genius like, problem yeah what is this trash he's created this <laughs> He's created this whole world. Uh, well, Leslie says, this is all in my head. And it's like, but you already have merch. <laughs> a t-shirt that had Glasgow man on it. Yo, man, yo, don't get mad at him. Get mad at capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> well, Amaro, Rollins, and Carisi all go to a graffiti-covered abandoned gatehouse, which 100% smells like pot, piss, and Pap's Blue Ribbon. Yep. Yes. 100%. And you know the crew didn't have to do anything for television to dress it up. They just like walked in, just make sure nothing says fuck on the wall. Mm-hmm. Everything else can stay. Amaro is looking around for the missing girls, and he sees this side chamber, which in real life is the keg party finger blast suite. <laughs> oh, boy. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> but they have like the girls apparently locked in behind this Blair Witch door of sticks and Amaro goes Arr! and he rips it off like dude it's made of sticks little pig yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the easiest job you had all day Amaro <laughs> did the girls like put that all together themselves yes. like they that's what they've done for the past 48 hours yes. is they've been stitching together the sticks yes have you not watched the rest of this fucking episode that is what they were doing yeah, they clearly they were had their time. phones under hamster cages <laughs> they were stabbing the sister they were stabbing themselves and building doors out of sticks what is the matter with that yeah nothing it's crafts they clearly had time they had time and boy did they get lucky finding the stray cat <laughs> Oh, my God. Well, yo, imagine being that cat. Could you imagine being that cat? Just being like, hey, I'm out here being, oh, no. <laughs> Look at this pretty girl. Wait, what is that in her hand? <laughs> Did I hear a rat over here? It's going to be a lovely dinner. Oh, no. You know what I mean? Like, there's no It's like, I'm just a cat. How did I get? How did I get swept away in all this? My eyes looks like Glasgow man. Who's that? (laughs) (laughs) Look, if attempting to kill a nine-year-old isn't hardcore enough for Glasgow man, an orange tabby is not going to cut it. Apparently not. No, I don't think it was an orange tabby. I think it was a calico, to be technical. Oh, maybe that was why. (laughs) She killed Garfield? (laughs) She killed Garfield. Oh, Mondays, am I right? (laughs) (laughs) There's one plot hole for me that I don't get. Why would Wait, well, one? <laughs> why wouldn't Zoe have known it was Perry who stabbed her? That, okay, thank you for bringing that up. Because when she said she wasn't sure who stabbed her, I'm like, okay, I can see how you can be clear that it wasn't Glasgow Man who stabbed you. But what what happened in between getting stabbed? Like, there was nothing. They don't talk about her being disoriented or anything. Unless, mm. like, and Rebecca, maybe you could w- attest to this. When she took her glasses off, like, you know, it's just everything's Blind. a crapshoot. <laughs> blind Uh, so Kevin made a very good point you're watching this episode she's in the hospital with her glasses did she keep them on the whole time she ran through the woods got attacked got carried by a hulk Drops off and they like, oh no, her glasses are still on her face. <laughs> Good She's, thing, because she no won't be able to see anything. No excuse. And they're not smudged. Know. My glasses are always smudged. The actual fuck. <laughs> yeah. So she clearly saw who was coming at her with a knife. Like, oh no. Should have been. <laughs> yeah. What if she was part of the delusion though? What if she wanted to think it was Glasgow Man? 
Well, I don't know. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I don't know either. I feel like she was the sharpest of the three of them, even though she was the little sister. She was the only mm. one who felt like she was like, hey, guys, I don't think we should do that. You know, it reminds me, <laughs> it reminds me of. So the new uh, the new movie just came out with Jordan Peele, which name I don't like to say because I don't want to have said it five times. So what if you can say it? You want to say it five times? You want me to say it? No. no. What if we, no. I say it twice? No. And, no. Okay. All right. No. But no. that movie. Who can take a rainbow? <laughs> yeah, correct. <laughs> that movie, you guys can Google it. You'll know what I'm talking about. Anyway, the point is there's a point in that movie, which I like because they remade it. And they said, <laughs> which... Which as soon as I saw these kids on screen, I was like, these kids are doing something they have no business. And these would not be black kids because black kids do not summon things. We do not. Yes. summon. We're not summoning nothing. They'd be like, oh, Yo, you got to summon. You got to do it three times. Spin around. I'd be like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not doing that player. I ain't doing that. That's not me. <laughs> so I was not surprised. They're like, we're going to go find Glasgow, man. If they had one black kid in that group, they would be like, nah, I'm uh I'm going home, Jenny. I don't want to do this. And I feel like that little girl was the closest to black in that group. She was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go. I don't know who stabbed me. Put away that finger. We might get shot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you might summon a so, gun. Yeah. You might summon a gun. Woo! Well, when you get shot, all of a sudden, one just kind of winds up yeah, there, right? That's the only time you see black people summoning yes. anything, apparently. Like, woof! Necromancy. <laughs> So at the end, Rollins and Carisi disagree on the level of accountability. Rollins, justice was served, all right? Perry's Looney Tunes, and me and Zoe didn't marry each other. You say so. And then, in the elevator, they give this creepy little pinky swear. So, A, creepy as fuck, agreed. Mm -hmm. What does that mean to you? What is that signal? Because... You know what it means to me? Yeah. That it was not telegraphed anywhere earlier in the script, so I don't know what the fuck it means. Oh, to me. really? You know, Ronald, <laughs> what does that imply to you? Okay, so I, you know what, I, I will defer to exactly what Rebecca said, but I have a larger question that we all should be discussing. Right. Why does this building only have one elevator? Because <laughs> everyone, the cops, the victims, and the criminals all got in one elevator. And I was right. like, I'm like, where are y'all going? There's wherever y'all are going. There's no way in the world y'all all need to get there on the same elevator. Doesn't make any sense. That's right. <laughs> on the right. door. In what criminal justice universe does the lawyer representing a child who is incriminating herself by saying all the evil stuff she did say to the mom when the mom tries to interject, say, no, 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 no. Let her talk. I had to prove my loyalty. Harry, where are you getting this? Let her talk. What fucking lawyer ever says, hey, I want to hear more of this myself. I want to hear more of my client incriminating herself. I know she's only 13, but Glasgow, man, you don't say. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me more. The other thing I want to point out is why is Carisi the only one who saw this? I'm like, did this just happen in his mind? Because the camera deliberately goes to Rollins, who's just like, nah, 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 just hanging out in this incredibly hard, large elevator that they can all fit on. Uh, and he's like sitting there looking at them holding hands. And I'm like, is, it, is he having a Glasgow man moment too? Like, what, did this actually happen? Are we actually seeing this? Well, this is my interpretation. And the reason why it's, it's Carisi is because he's the one who thought, well, you know, she's, uh, this, this is right because she's insane and this is the appropriate punishment. I think to a lot of po- folks and to me as well, the, the the pinky signal is that, hey, we got away with it. OK, yeah. so this was a whole like there's there's parts of the story which are bullshit and everybody swallowed it. And he sees it because, wait a minute, this is the opposite of what I thought. But, you know, what he, he should have known. Yet, she's a ginger. You just know. You got. You can't trust the you gingers. You just know. I also <laughs> thought of one other thing. <laughs> Sorry. Are we just are we just slandering gingers now? Did I miss something? Hundred percent. You just know. Well, also like that. That's a casting choice, yeah. right? Yeah. Is we it, need to bring her in alive. I'm sorry. It is a casting choice. I'm not saying it's right, yeah. but it is a casting choice. This show makes all the fucking time. They make all the redheaded people evil. So my other question is: Harry goes in this very elaborate story. You do understand that stabbing Zoe was wrong. No, the police were wrong. Since they entered Glasgow Man's realm and saved us, the world is an unbalanced place. Is that a yes or a no? You don't get it, do you? Glasgow Man's partners from the other realms are going to come back seeking vengeance. We're all going to die. What if she's right? 
Like, what if? What the if? The world is unbalanced? What well. if? What if they've, like, we fucked it all up by going in with our taser switcheroo gun <laughs> and, like, messing up this whole situation? Like, what if? I mean, there was a thunderstorm happening at the time. What Scary. if she's right? What if she's right? So you're saying, what if this is a backdoor pilot to an even worse feature-length film? Yes. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That is, in fact, what I am saying. Lauren yes. Michaels, get right on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so answer my question then, because if I believe that pinky signal is that, yeah, this was our plan uh, either all along or this is the way we got out of it, meaning I'm not really insane, then what was the, the motive for the stabbing then? Hey man, have uh, you ever had a right. have you ever had a sibling that you just really didn't like? <laughs> uh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a look at the real life story that inspired this episode. Here with Rip from the Headlines is You think you know who did it. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. Rip from the This episode is inspired by the 2014 Slender Man stabbing. Twelve-year-olds Anissa Weir and Morgan Geyser were obsessed with the horror character The Slender Man. He's depicted as a ghost-like figure who hunts children in the woods. Anissa and Morgan lured their best friend Peyton Lutner to a local forest for a game of hide-and-seek. Deep in the woods, they held Peyton down and stabbed her 19 times. The girls believed this sacrifice would please Slenderman and would prevent him from pursuing them. The pair left Peyton to die, but she crawled through the woods until a passing bicyclist discovered her. Police later found Anissa and Morgan walking through town with the bloody knife in a backpack. They said they were going off to live with Slenderman. The preteens were charged as adults with attempted homicide. A jury found Anissa Weir not guilty by mental disease and received a 25-year commitment in a psychiatric hospital. Morgan Geyser struck a deal with prosecutors that avoided a trial but resulted in a 40-year commitment to a mental health facility. A mentally ill 12-year-old was tried as an adult. Uh, Do you think the prosecutors went this hard because of the media coverage or because they just view mental illness as a character flaw? Man, that's that's such a heavy question because I I think... Many of the ways in which we address mental illness in the media are just so unfair. You know what I mean? It's it's unfair. It's dishonest in a lot of ways. It's it's um it's misleading. So I I would hope. I mean I I imagine that whenever you have children involved in something and it's this horrific and it's anything that involves anything supernatural and a puritanical society, uh, I think it's it feels like the the prosecutors almost feel like they have a, um some sort of mandate to throw the book at whoever's there if they're like oh demons were speaking to him this guy's got to go away we got to lock this dude up and we won't really talk about like the actual addressing the mental illness that that caused them to to think and do the way that do the things that they did so i i would say they probably felt like they had a mandate to throw the book at them because of the media coverage maybe and because uh with something like mental illness they they viewed it as evil what what these what these uh, girls did i have something to add to that yeah they were girls, okay, which makes it worse in the public sphere yeah. because because of their gender or because of their oh age? because of their gender. Okay. Like if a woman or a girl does something bad, it is a hundred times more evil than if a man or a boy commits the same crime. That is just a thing that happens, right? So, like, if a woman does something, how could a woman do that, right? So this is obviously a mentally ill kid. And I think that the whole Slender Man, yeah, the Two, whole, yeah, well, yeah, but you know, we've seen the documentary, so we know that like one of them had more problems, right, the right. other one was more susceptible, right? By right? Way, beware the Slender Man. I'd recommend that for anyone who yes, hasn't already seen it's it. It's very, yeah. very sad, is what it is. And the way that this was played out in the media was like, a, there are two things going on here. One is the bad seed trope, uh-huh. where like the media and sort of the public loves to sort of call a kid who's done something bad quote bad seed, which then makes you feel better about yourself because my kids would. never do something like that mm-hmm. just wait till they get fucking schizophrenia and then like you're gonna be maybe feel a little more sympathetic i'm not saying people with schizophrenia do things like this i'm saying that like there's a spectrum of mental health that people don't understand until they've actually dealt with mental health this is a great example of mental health taking a young person to a place and the confluence of her being both female and in this pop culture sphere of the slender man 
and being a fun victim to vilify completely, completely gave the prosecutor's license to completely overreach in this case. In July, a judge granted Anissa Weir's petition for early release saying that she's no longer a danger to anyone. Prosecutors though, say she, you know, she attracts people who have psychological problems of their own and is susceptible to their violent influences. But uh, she's back in court later this week, the week of this taping. Uh, she'll be on supervised release until she is 37. So what do you think is the risk assessment of her reoffending? How can we know? Because that's the big. That's why they send her to jail I mean, at twelve, right? Yeah. How can we know? Yeah. I mean, I think anyone going to jail when they're twelve is a crime. I think anyone being mm-hmm. prosecuted as an adult is, is a crime. I also I don't think that, she wasn't in jail, but she was. Yeah, she I was don't confined. Think yeah, any yeah. of the three of us are qualified to like answer that question in any way. Nor should we be mm-hmm. qualified. Nor should a lawyer be qualified. Nor should a judge be qualified. Only a very, very good certified, fully educated mental health professional can make that call. And we shouldn't even be speculating on it, in my opinion. I will speculate on this. (laughs) (laughs) After after Rebecca said all that. Randall knows why he's on this podcast. I'll say this one thing is that my friend told me once, she was like, you don't get your full brain until you're 25. And when she said that, Mm -hmm. it it blew my mind because I really thought about everything. I really thought about, and I, because I used to just say conversationally before I ever heard her say this to me, she was like, I was just like, man, I don't know. Something happened to me at 25 where I just realized that I'm not as smart as I thought I was. And then from then on, there was this humility that came with it where I was just like, maybe I might not get this. Maybe I should work harder, those types of things. And I think that all came along with me actually having a fully formed brain and not just being mm. like, you know, I'm the best off the top of the world. I'll be young forever. And I think we have to take that into account when we're thinking about 12 year olds and giving them 40 year life sentences. I, I certainly don't think that we're qualified to speculate about the risk assessment there, but also to hand out punitive damages to people who don't have their full minds yet. You know what I mean? And no That's matter right. how heinous the thing is they did, it's like, this is a person where we have to reassess when they get of age to say, is this something that you would do again? Do you recognize the problem and how do you feel about that? You know, and that's, that can only be accomplished through licensed mental health professionals. Not just 12-year-olds, but 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds, 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds, 18-year-olds. It's like whole debate of whether whether or not an 18-year-old is a, quote, adult. There's a difference between what is legally considered adult and what is actually an adult. And there's a lot of data that shows that, like, even habitual offenders stop in, like, at 30, at 35. You know why? Because the brain changes. That is something that I really wish would be taken into account in situations like this. Well, we made that number up. We made it up. We said 18, 18 is, is an adult. Yeah. We made it up. Just like exactly. when, when they could drink with their 18, now it's 21. They just changed it just because they felt like it. That's it. You exactly. know what I mean? Like, or renting a car up. at 25. We made it up. And actually, 25 makes the most sense. Because again, you don't get your full <laughs> brain to your 25. So let's not be out here <laughs> renting cars to children. <laughs> Wait a minute. Maybe I should slow down. seatbelt on. Amazing. <laughs> Well, look, I don't believe in like magic bullets, media bullets, right? That watching a horror film makes you violent mm-hmm. or heavy metal music or so. I mean, I don't think like if it were not for Slender Man that these two would not have offended. But I have to say, after living through the past two years, I do feel like there is a much larger swath than we all assumed of highly functioning adults who will accept the most implausible stories and act on them. You're calling them highly functional adults, though. Well, I'm (laughs) saying people who hold down jobs Mm -hmm. and may not otherwise engage in criminal activity, Hmm. but feel like they need to storm the fucking Capitol Hmm. because somebody dropped a message in their, you know. Because of heavy metal music? Thanks, Tipper. Not because of heavy metal. (laughs) Okay, I'm just going to say it. I I think Slender Man and QAnon are on the same spectrum. I. I don't okay, know. so here's the thing, though. Like, here's the thing. I, I don't think you're wrong, Kevin. But like, what you have to take into account is that there's a difference between um between me watching a lot of QAnon, me watching Slenderman, or me watching a lot of you know extremist Christian stuff or extremist anything. There's a difference between that and it festering in my mind. Then going to a rally and having your perceived faith leader call you to action. In the middle yep. of that rally to do it right yes. then. Yeah. I feel like there's yep. a there's also a triggering 
that has to happen with all of this stuff because there's plenty of us that see in anger based on the media and stuff that we consume where we're just like, I'm hot all the time. But there's a difference between us who act on that based on stuff that we hear from people that are in authority. And I feel like that's I feel like, yes, it's on the same uh, spectrum. But I'm like, there yes. also has to be like a triggering moment. Correct. Because the QAnon people, for them, there was part of it that was in real life mm-hmm. yeah. and not just all online. And that is the difference. Yeah. I, you know, certainly if I, we had talked about this four years ago, I would have been like, well, those are the extremists of the extreme. And so that's why the the two Slenderman fans did what they, they did. And I'm just sort of, I have been awakened to the realism. It's not just a couple of people. That there are way more, way more people than I thought could be taken in by something, some bit of media that resonates with them. Whether it's Slenderman, whether it's Peppy the Frog, or whatever the fuck that thing right, is. Right, but you're making a you're you're making a, a correlation between mental illness and just like the predilection toward hate, racism, etc. Those are two fucking different things. Oh, I don't know. I think there's some of that mental illness in there, too. Maybe, maybe. That is an excuse. I'm maybe, saying... Maybe. Okay, so I'll, maybe. I agree with I agree with both of you. I think, I think we have to be careful not to... Man, this is becoming a very different podcast, but I'm here for You're it. deep. But I'm like... I. It's I, solvable, Ronald. I know, right? Yeah, like you guys are like right up my alley now. Like, no. It's but not. I feel like there's a... We have to be careful not to let it just swing into a place where it is just like any wacko or what we would call a wacko and when I say that I'm not talking about people with mental illness but the way in which we describe folks but saying that any person with this illness would then all of a sudden just be pushed into doing something uh, doing something wrong that they didn't already have a predilection for like hatred and Correct. all that but I will say <laughs> on the uh, the other hand what should scare you is that there's a lot of people with a lot of thoughts out there and I want to say that are hatred racist all those thoughts that are really just looking for permission to act. Yes. And I feel yep. like these guys got permission to act. Yes. And I feel like in a lot yes. of cases, the thing that holds everybody back is these rules in society. We're like, no, you got to put your shirt on in a restaurant. But the minute you give somebody an excuse not to, they're going to take a mile. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're, they're going to be in there with no pants on either. So, I mean, but they just need the permission <laughs> as long to as do the it. shoes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I will say, in in my defense, on my thought here, that the latest iteration of Slender Man is swapped out. He doesn't have his black suit. He does have a hat, a Viking hat, and face paint. (laughs) And he's like a shaman charging the Senate chamber. Uh, Yeah, yeah. He's giving permission. He's been given permission. (laughs) Gave him permission, man. That is going to do it for us. We want to thank our special guest, Ronald Young Jr. Ronald, if people want to follow you online, how can they do that? You can follow me at Oh It's Big Ron on Twitter and Instagram. That's at O-H-I-T-S-B-I-G-R-O-N. You can also go to my website, ohitsbigron.com again that's o-h-i-t-s-b-i-g-r-o-n.com you can also subscribe to the solvable podcast which is a pushkin podcast just wherever you're listening to this podcast just search for solvable we're on there too and uh yeah be on the lookout i got lots of stuff coming soon and i really appreciate you guys having me i always love being on this show i'm always available uh so yeah and i will make i will make time for y'all yeah you are We love having you too, as much almost as much as I love having Rebecca Lavoy. Oh Rebecca, how can our listeners follow you? You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Reb Lavoy, and you can track me on Twitter at Kevin P Flynn. You also can tweet to us at Law and Order Pod or follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast. Our newsreader is Cy Freider. Special thanks to Chris Green for filling in this summer. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. To get ad-free episodes of These Are Their Stories a week early. Sign up for Stitcher Premium. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for Criticism and Commentary. Go to lawandorderpodcast.com and sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Are Their Stories was recorded in the Yoga Loft above the Bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio and is a production of Partners in Crime Media. (laughs) 